the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. We are living through, certainly, an interesting time of history. I don't think I would have to argue that point with anyone who is watching or listening. And one of the things that we have seen really highlighted over the last several months, really throughout this year, has been what we call religious persecution. I think for people who are Christian people or people of faith, people who ascribe to a particular religion, we would say that there is religious persecution. There are others outside of the religious world that would say it's not happening. Uh, I'll tell you from my own perspective, I don't remember ever living through a time where here in the United States, we've seen persecution of churches and Christians and people of faith as out in the open as it is right now. Uh, throughout my life, I've heard stories and we've seen illustrations and news stories and different things happening. But really across our country, we see this happening right now out in the open. And we need to understand what it is, what it looks like, and how to deal with it. And thankfully, we have someone here to help us today. Brad Dacus is with us. And Brad is the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And uh, Brad, thank you for being with us. Oh, it's great to do the program. Thank you. Man, we met, um, it's probably been about two months ago now at, uh, at my church, and my pastor introduced us, and I was so glad to meet you. Pacific Justice Institute, who you represent, is uh, something that I've respected for a number of years, and uh, I'll give your bio so people that know. You are the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, and I, I quoted in here your mission statement. As a legal nonprofit, our mission is to defend without charge the religious freedoms, parental rights, and other civil liberties of people who cannot defend themselves. We work diligently to provide our clients with dedicated, exceptional legal support, completely funded by our generous supporters. And I love your mission statement. This is something, um, you know, our, our normal job, our real job, uh, running a veteran nonprofit, that's part of our mission statement as well, is that we're going to remove every obstacle to you getting the help you need. Right. And uh, from a legal standpoint, that's exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, I really like that philosophy because I didn't make it up. It was really Jesus's sure. philosophy. <laughs> I mean, you know, he didn't just say, well, I, I love you, but I don't love you, or yeah. I'm going to help you, but I don't care about right. His love and his grace was, was open uh, to everyone. He was, you know, he wasn't choosing people who are going to uh, look, look really good for a newsletter. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, right. he, he, you know he, he worked to make sure everyone got help. And that's one thing that makes us very unique. And one thing I love about your ministry um, is the fact that we don't leave anyone behind. We leave no one on the side of the road. That's good. And it hasn't been easy all the time. Because we're, we're, you know, we started this in 1997. That's when I uh, felt called to start it. Uh, Attorney General Ed Meese yeah. uh, agreed to yeah. come on board and, uh, and help give some credibility from day one, which was nice. Uh, but, uh, you know, we grew. We had more and more requests for assistance. We had to restructure to meet those needs, structure again to meet those needs. Uh, start intern programs. Yes, and it's been uh, it's been great. Now we have offices in multiple states across the United States. We have four offices in California, 
for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> it's not the uh, bastion of religious freedom that people think it is, is it? No, it's, yeah. it's, it's not. It's not for religious freedom, parents' rights. It's not the sanctity of human life. Right. It's, it's, it's the dark state uh, in many ways with lots of light, lightning bolts uh, in, you know, happening at the same time. So we have four offices in California. We have an office in Oregon, Salem, Oregon. We have yeah. another one uh, in Washington State, uh, Reno, Nevada, Denver, Colorado, Dallas, Texas, uh, Mississippi, and one in New York City, serving New York and wow. New Jersey. Wow. And we're looking to actually open some more to fill needs in these areas where there's such great need. And we look at, we ask the question, is there a need? Is anyone filling, filling sure. that need? Let's paratroop in uh, in this, this dark blotch yeah. on the map, and let's empower awesome. and equip the body of Christ and the churches and people of faith. Uh, to be as bold and as bright as they possibly can under yeah. the law to, to, to be. And that's what we, we're all about. That's awesome. About. Our, uh, our tagline at the Mighty Oaks Foundation is never fight alone. And, and that's you know kind of our ministry philosophy, if you will. What is it? It's never fight alone. You shouldn't have to go through life and trauma and difficulty and struggle alone. And it sounds like you could have the same tagline. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. And, yeah. uh, and that's what we do. Our, uh, we do all our work without charge. And then we have hundreds of affiliate attorneys who volunteer their time as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know your ministry has, has people who volunteer That's right. yeah. to step up and help. And it's, uh, it's really exciting when, you're, when the goal and your fo- the focus is not to build an organization. It's to meet the needs That's yeah. right. and to minister. Yeah. Right. And you've given me a tour of, of your, your, your setup here, what you guys are doing. And I'll, just, I'll tell you, I'm just very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, very distinctive um, in a, in a very positive way sure. regarding yeah. uh, the kind of ministry that you're, you're doing, and I'm, I'm really glad to see that you guys are existing. Yeah. It's pretty brilliant to hear him say that because we, yeah. we said that that's kind of like our decision-making process as we lead Mighty Oaks is not to build the organization but to meet the needs that are presented to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's being kingdom-driven, meeting yeah. the needs, and, and, then, and then walking in faith that God's going to enable you to do that. And by His grace, yeah. He's enabled us to do that. And, uh, you know, this, this recent crisis with the pandemic hit. Yes, and, you know, we were suddenly dealing with thousands and thousands of churches all across America that were t- suddenly shut down. Private Christian schools shut down. Uh, pastors didn't know what to do. Yep. So we started these Zoom calls. And they just, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um, have participated all across the United States, enabling them and equipping them on how they can not forsake the congregating together as God's commanded. That's good. And at the same time, uh, be respectful of the law to the greatest extent they can without violating that fundamental command and, and, and keeping those together. And then and working it through based on their individual situations. Uh, you know, a church in downtown L.A. Uh, is dealing with a different situation than one in outside of Bakersfield, sure, California. Sure. Very different legally, logistically, in terms of their, their, their physical options. And, and in the same way, I know that's what you do in your ministry is you take people where they are, their situation, mm-hmm. um, you deal with their situation, yep. and that's, that's what we're about. And it's, and it's worked even as you, we get larger and as you guys get larger. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're really working hard to maintain that model because awesome. that is really what we're, we're all about. Not to build an organization, <clears throat> um, not to have a, 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 an elaborate uh, you know, vacation the Tahiti's or whatever. <laughs> you know. But um, anyway, but it's, it's to do... Uh, do the work and then and, and have the faith that God's going to 
see it through. And, and it's been it's been exciting to see what God's been doing That's just awesome. the last few months. We're looking to open more offices um, in the very near future to meet other needs, like I say. And we're just, in the bottom line, we're counting on the Lord uh, to do that. And so. This is not a um, how to start a, a nonprofit ministry podcast. Um, but we have this conversation all of the time. This is, has this nothing to do with what we said we were going to talk about. Because we get today. a lot of calls, right? But we get these calls all the time. Like, how do you grow? How do you start? A, how do you start a ministry like that? How do you make it work? And we we always go back to meet the needs of hurting people, yeah. and trust God, and, and organize, and work hard, and do those things. But instead of looking at the business model, why don't you do what you can with what you have to help people who need help? And it's amazing what happens when yeah. when you. Go into it with that philosophy. <laughs> yeah, when I started Pacific Justice, uh, at the time I was Western Regional Coordinator for an organization back east, and uh, according to litigation in 14 Western states, they shut down the office, offered me a job back east. I said yes. Uh, it was a promotion, yeah. you know, be the face of the organization. I, of course you say yes. Sure. You have to pray about yeah, right. those things. <laughs> or ask your wife. <laughs> yeah, well, I was single at the time. So. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I said yes, and I insomnia, couldn't sleep, still couldn't sleep. Bottom line, I prayed about it, and when I did, the, the question that came to my mind was, Brad, what desires have I put on your heart? And that literally is what hit my head. Right. I mean, just very directly. Yeah. And I realized, okay, to make sure people get the help where it's needed most, which is right now here on the West Coast. Yeah. And so I went ahead and said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to do it on several conditions. And uh, so I, I, I was scared. I was really sure. Yeah. So I gave God you know, free office space, free computer system, um, <laughs> keep me on the radio stations for free. There two at the time, and uh, I have to be in the black in three months. And I'm never going to charge anyone. That was and, your way of saying God is impossible. Watch, you can't do these things. Basically, because I was scared. I, I'm like, this is. I've never, you know, headed up something like this. Right. And so I really tested God, and God knew where I was. And what's great about God, He takes us right where we are. He knows where we are. Like a dad knows his boy, you know, he knows how, yeah. how I am. Yeah. So he came through on all of it and he did it in an incredible way. And it just made it really clear that it was his baby. And uh, it's exciting to see what God's doing. But the challenges we're facing today, and I almost think that getting our, our founding in 1997 was exactly for today. Today, yeah. For this day, yeah. for this time. Prepare you for now. Yeah. The, the ark as was being built, started in 1997. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now the water's coming. And now I can see more clearly than ever why the ark was why built, was why the organization was created. Yeah, that's great. If we were to take a, a broad look at religious liberties in America, I guess what would we see? I mean, being in the work that I do uh, in veterans care, with faith-based veterans care, I mean, and I think so many people see, it feels like this increasing persecution on people of faith in America. Is that the reality? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a reality. Uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute, we defend religious freedom, parents' rights, sanctity of human life. We're engaged in all of those. On the sanctity of human life, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I see a very strong positive trend, both in terms of Americans becoming more uh, pro-life, yeah. uh, and their eyes opened up with 3D yeah, uh, videos, right. yeah. and, uh, and, and the, the actions taken with the court appointments yeah. uh, over the last uh, several years have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, parents' rights. That's still, there's tremendous need there. We have children being taken from families wrongfully, uh, Christian families, uh, because the parents won't affirm uh, their their 13-year-old boy who wants to become a girl. Yeah, right. We're having to, to defend those cases now to keep that child from being wrongfully taken and then having uh, surgery and shots and parts of his body uh, cut off. Uh, 
it's, it's sick. It's, it's terrible. So that's a major and battleground. So, okay, we have conversations like that, right? And everyone says, well, that's not really happening. That's not really that's happening. That's really happening. Oh, it's really happening. We have, we've had two cases in California alone uh, that we've been involved in we've, and actually represented uh, the families. Uh, fortunately, we prevailed on both of them. And, uh, and they, they're great stories. Yeah. Uh, what was a pastor and his wife? Uh, so dealing with this. When so, you say taking away, who's trying to take away the, oh, the, the, the government? For the state of California, the Department of, the Department of Social Services uh, for the state of California wow. and, uh, and, and Child Protective Services, uh, which get $8,000, by the way, for every child that they take. They get 8000 from the federal government to take that child. And every year they keep them, they get another 8000 for their little fiefdom, their little county organization. Yep. It's sick. It's like the Oliver Twist of, moder- of the modern era. And we're giving emergency counsel, I personally emergency counsel to parents all across America uh, who are dealing with this, th- these issues. We have opt-out forms also for parents dealing with public schools, the assault on the children. We produced a video called Sex Ed, S-E-X-X-X Ed, Let Parents Decide, to, just to, to inform parents of the radical uh, sexual and sexuality and sex acts uh, that and gender identity issues that are being pushed on these children all the way down the kindergarten level. It's now mandated in every school in California, every public school, including charter schools, all the way down the kindergarten level. 17 other major school districts across the country have already adopted it, and even in Fort Worth, Texas, yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. So the, major, the, 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 the attack on parental rights and the family is huge, too. But I have to say, uh, the, the third quadrant, religious freedom, uh, is under attack more directly right now I think that at any time I've ever seen it. And I can give you some examples. Yeah, please do. Yeah, one, of course, very directly is the shutting down of the churches and synagogues. Uh, you know, we knew initially we didn't know what we're dealing with. Two weeks, sure. okay, sure. We don't want to flood the hospitals. Sure. Yeah. Then as, as, we, as we discovered as a society and, and states discovered and governors discovered that uh, who's at risk and who isn't and what the real is, risk issue is, you had uh, governor states with Christian governors who said, okay, we're, we're going to let churches meet again. We're going to let right. grocery stores open and, and airplanes be crammed with people. Uh, we're going to let churches uh, reopen, be responsible, be safe. But then we had states that did not have Christian governors, and I'm not I'm making it very non-political. Right. <laughs> not this. to mention any specifically. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. 
www.christianfellowship.org. None, none specifically, no party specifically. Right. But I'm just saying Christian versus non-Christian sure. because that's a pretty accurate uh, way to go as a general rule. Those governors from those states have found this as an opportunity to oppress churches and keep them closed. Pot shops can be open. Liquor stores can be open. Oh, no problem. Restaurants, movie theaters, but not churches. Like in, in the state of Washington, for example, uh, they're allowing churches. They allow churches to reopen uh, up to 25% occupancy. Yeah. And that's, that's great compared to California. But the movie theater down the street, they allow 50% occupancy. I mean, the human body is, is, is going through the same thing. They're right. sitting there for an hour to half, two hours, looking straight ahead. COVID is not, you know, you're not weaker if you're hearing a sermon <laughs> than if you're watching a movie. Right. I mean, it's just... It's How do I give you stronger? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Think stronger. But, but that kind of open bigotry... And harassment yeah. is taking place. We have a church, church services, worshiping outside, actually near Planned Parenthood. Uh, and they're being trying to be shut down. And what they're doing is completely within the law. It's yeah. outdoors. Right. And yet we, in California, we're defending a pastor in San Francisco Bay Area. He's being criminally prosecuted. As we speak, criminally prosecuted because his small church, it's a small African-American church in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, they, did the, they wore the mask. They had the safe distancing. And he is being prosecuted because he had he's having church services, even though he's going through the same safety parameters of non-church entities. He's being criminally prosecuted. Criminally prosecuted. This pastor is looking at maybe six months behind bars, uh, maybe maybe more per service. So they may do it right. per per sure. uh, infringement. Uh, I just came back just this last weekend at an t- outdoor church event, and they just received a letter twenty four hours later threatening to criminally arrest and prosecute anyone participating in this outdoor uh, event celebrating religious freedom, by the way. That's the irony. Right. Yeah, it was the Los Angeles County Public Health Department. I went there. Um, we put our foot down. Uh, we did not let the uh, public health official on the premises sure. to provide service <laughs> of legal service. Right. Um, and he finally got frustrated, had to leave. We had four sheriffs from the county on our side Sitting there saying, "I'm not. We're not going to do anything, no matter what. We're, no matter what his what his, his his order is." Yeah. So it's it's very intense. Yeah. Just right now, and and if we don't have the right case law set before the Supreme Court, and I'm very excited about Amy Coney uh, Barrett Barrett, uh, because she may be the fifth vote now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be able to say you can't treat churches differently than other entities like restaurants and yeah. movie theaters. And there's nothing partisan about that. Right. They shouldn't be. <laughs> they shouldn't be. Partisan. This is basic freedom and liberty. This is the First Amendment. Yeah. What, what's um, the, this is something I've had a hard time understanding. Yeah. Why are they doing that to churches? What, what, what's what the, is to be gained by that? Okay. I, I get they don't like Christian people. I get all that. But as a politician, what's to be gained by persecuting churches? Uh, a couple things. So, you know, first off, uh, politically, um, if the churches are meeting, then they cannot coalesce. And encourage each other to vote. They can't have voter registration. Interesting. So it's it's also silencing the influence of the pulpit upon the people and the voters. Pastors, if they're doing their job, uh, preach the whole word of God. Sure. And they apply the whole word of God to the issues of the day. Right. Whether it's religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, the rights of parents over the education and upbringing of their children. Yeah. Um, you know, standing up for righteousness, standing up for the persecuted. Uh, these are just some of the. Uh, Standing up with Israel, 
Yes. You know, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I mean, so these people, they, those are the, I call them, I don't want you all to say these people um, sure. without being political. I'm really trying, <laughs> really trying hard not to be political. But they want to silence the church. Uh, our organization, Pacific Justice Institute, had a, has had a project where we're moving full steam ahead even after the election. Yep. Uh, but uh, before the election, we had 314 churches for the first time registering their voters on Sunday morning and even doing ballot gathering. And we are working uh, to expand this yes. to empower and equip them. We, we defend churches also on other issues in addition to empowerment. Like, for example, uh, land use zoning issues. I can't tell you how many churches we've helped from against hostile communities and like states like California, Oregon, Washington, uh, yeah. Wisconsin, and other places where uh, New York, where they're told, oh, we don't want a church here. We don't want a church anywhere in our town. So we won't zone it for that. So no zoning. Yeah. And we come right on in and we represent them. Um, you know, and in fact, in Wisconsin, we had an issue dealing with employment. They were told, uh, the city of DuPair, Wisconsin, had told them, you have to be willing to hire people engaging in sexual lifestyles and relationships against what the Bible says, Incredible. or we're shutting you down. Incredible. We had to go into court and get a, get a, a judge to declare this violates the state constitution and the U.S. constitution. And six other towns had already copied that statute, that ordinance. So that's how intense it is. Even in the Midwest, it used to be just on the fringes. We're seeing in the Midwest, uh, you know, pastor in Dallas, I'm defending, he's being criminally prosecuted for preaching the gospel in a public place, on a public sidewalk, uh, simply because Planned Parenthood didn't appreciate it. Right. And instead of protecting his rights, the city of Dallas, which has now become hostile to people of faith, hostile to ministries, supportive of Planned Parenthood, they have now, they're criminally prosecuting him as we speak. I've already represented him on one pretrial hearing. We're looking at time behind bars. This man is a public school teacher who's a part of a church ministry reaching out with the love and the, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely incredible. What, um, man, we could talk about that all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So you and I met at a, at a pastor's meeting, um, and the purpose of that meeting was for you to tell pastors, here's what you can do during the election. Here's, you know, how you can do that. There's a lot of misunderstanding amongst very sincere pastors. And I get weary sometimes of, of hearing uh, as much criticism of pastors as we hear. Um, although I think a lot of them rate criticism. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think some have stepped back when they should lean in. Um, but a lot of that is because of just confusion. They just don't understand what they can do legally, what they should be doing. Uh, when it comes to voting and when it comes to representing, you know, political, in quotes, opinions and all these things, what should churches do and what can churches do? First, a church needs to remember that they are in the lordship of Jesus Christ yeah. Yeah. and the word of God. And God does not want us to be pleased. You can't be pleased of men and pleased of God. It's one or the other. And so those churches and those pastors who become focused on the tithes of sure. some of their big sure. member supporters, not wanting to offend them or not wanting to offend, uh, they need to repent. And they need to, to understand they're there. They're calling us from the Lord, um, not from the budget. And, to, and take what, what may, sure. may come. Second, they need also to be wise, though, and discerning. And so that's where what you're talking about in terms of uh, what they sh they can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. I'll give you some just some some brief points. Uh, first, the thing they can't do is they can't launder money. 
<laughs> in other words, you'd think that wouldn't need to be said, but, but <laughs> well, you know, you got someone in the church who says, "Hey, uh, pastor, I want to, I want to give uh, ten thousand dollars to this candidate over here," um, and he may say, I, "I don't want to know it's for me, so I want to give it to the church." You can't do uh, I that. See. Yeah. It's in actuality, he's probably wanting to get a tax deduction to the church and then have a go. You can't do that. Churches can't use their own money to further a campaign. So when there's money involved, spending money, general rule, they can't when it comes to a specific candidate. I think you use a small portion, 5 to 15% for lobbying. They want to be a, a pro-life uh, legislation or something like that, sure. a proposition. Yeah, they can do that um, in terms of money. Non-money, in terms of speech, there's actually tremendous protection. Uh, under the Johnson Amendment, uh, which was passed years ago, uh, it was basically declared that pastors can't say anything about a candidate behind a pulpit. They can't do anything for or against a candidate in any way with their church, you know, or activities or resources or encouraging people to vote one way or the other. They can't. Well, the Johnson Amendment has been around a long time, and it has not been enforced against any church because wow. of speech. Wow. In fact, hundreds of churches have sent their, their DVDs to the IRS with their sermons, specifically calling out candidates. Uh, with scripture and, and 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 also supporting candidates through scripture the IRS hasn't moved on a single one of them wow uh, and then of course so we have that and then we have the the executive order that was signed uh, by President Trump which basically said and by the way he said by the way IRS um, just in case you're thinking about it <laughs> don't right I'm not my administration will not enforce the Johnson amendment against any free speech of any church any ministry wow um, let let the, the truth reign. And it's really important we understand this because people say, well, you know, ask me once, what kind of restrictions should we place upon, you know, the churches? And I said, really the question you're asking is what kind of restrictions should we place upon the conscience of the nation? Mm. Mm. Because that is what the church has been throughout our history. Yeah, right. And when the churches were shut down, the riots began. And I do not believe those riots would have happened had the conscience of the nation been meeting throughout this country. Interesting. That's, yeah. And so we have to preserve the conscience of the nation, and we need to let it have as much freedom and liberty as it is and let the pa- pastor call it as he, as he may. So the bottom line is uh, pastors are free to preach what they wish mm-hmm. right now. Yep. We have a church and politics uh, update that they can get. We have a, a short video, 10-minute video for pastors who don't like to read uh, stuff like that. <laughs> it's short, and it's actually from a pastor. We have a full-time pastor liaison on staff, Peter Moore, yep. who's working and serving the pastors uh, from their level, with their language. Yep. And uh, it's been exciting, and we're hoping to enable and empower churches all across America to have their church, heard, their voice heard. The good news is that there are enough Christians, even in states like California, that if they all voted, right. Uh, California would have a major revolutionary change overnight. Yeah. In terms, it would be a red state if every. It would be a dark yeah. red state if every Christian in California voted. Yeah. In almost every state in the country, that's that's how it is. Yeah. It's merely an absence of the Christian voice. Yeah. Uh, and to address that, that's what we're trying to do, yeah. and we're excited about move, that moving yeah. forward. We we had a. I was going to mention um, we had a fundraising gala a couple weeks ago last week. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know whenever it was. <laughs> and our speaker was Alan West, Colonel Alan West. Oh, yes, a fine he made, man. He made a statement that spoke to what you just said so so clearly. He said, when Christians don't vote, the church is closed on Easter Sunday. And he was talking about this year, but that's, that statement summed up what you just said so clearly for me. When Christians don't vote, then don't expect to have a church on Easter Sunday, and we just lived through that. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, when some pastors talk, they, you know, they, they seem like, well, you know, what could happen? And I just, I just talk and say, well, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Um, you could be executed. Right. <laughs> That's the worst thing. We all have to die. And how bad is that, really? I mean, really. Right. You, you, you want to die in a hospital with an IV, or do you want to die for Jesus? I'd much rather die for Jesus. Right. So when we step back and look at the big picture, yeah. um, there really isn't anything to be afraid of. Right. Uh, the only thing we need to be focused on is, are we going to be obedient to the call of God? That's right. And uh, with the love and the truth... And, and let things fall where they may. And also use the wisdom of God and the opportunities we have under the law. The Apostle Paul, one of my favorite sermons to give is out, out of Acts chapter 22, mm. where we see the, the Apostle Paul lay claim to his rights of due process under the law as a Roman yeah, citizen, right. even his right to appeal to Caesar later on. I mean, so God wants us to be wise, and we're there to serve and defend churches without charge. Uh, awesome. And by God's grace, we intend to do so all across the country uh, until he comes. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last question, which I believe you already answered, was what can Christians do, what can Americans do to fight for religious liberties? Uh, I think that question was answered with vote. But anything beyond that? Yeah, vote. uh, That's very important, vote. Um, Also, uh, look at our children. Mm -hmm. There's a whole generation being raised through our government schools, being hostile with ways of thinking that are totally against the teachings of their parents and and the the church. Uh, I'm encouraging churches to start church homeschool groups, church homeschool co-ops. Now is the time to see that. Parents have already seen how homeschooling isn't that tough after right. all, or, or they may need support. We can, yeah. we can right. And church is stepping in. We can have instantly, we could have a huge shift of these children, millions of children saved from what I call spiritual genocide, effectively taking place in a lot of school districts, up and down California, for example. Yep. We could save these kids from the spiritual genocide if churches step up. And by doing so... Create another generation with a, a Christian biblical worldview, which we're losing. So yep. we need to we need to look to the future, and we, for that we need to look to the children, and for that we need to to change the status quo because it's a terrible trend. But also in the short term, we need to vote, and we need to be involved, and we need to encourage our pastors, our churches to do voter registration on Sunday mornings, um, use voter guides, biblical voter guides, and uh, let the church uh, voice be heard and our testimony as Christians not be muzzled. That's awesome. Uh, where can people follow you, Pacific Justice Institute, uh, the work that you do? Pastors may be listening that have questions. How do they get a hold of you? How do they follow you? You bet. Uh, our website is the easiest, pji.org. Yeah. So P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute.org, pji.org. And we're serving pastors all across the United States uh, with legal needs and other needs. I also I love to guest preach from the word expository. Uh, and I will go anywhere, and I don't charge anything, no love offering, no honorarium required. People say, why do you do that? I said, I love preaching the Word. That's awesome. So uh, we'd love to serve either legally or spiritually, and uh, we're here to do so unconditionally. Yeah. Brad Dacus, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Keep up your great work. Yes, sir. Yeah, same for you. As always, another incredible episode. And, uh, man, we could spend all day talking about every one of those issues and every one of those topics. But to sum up our conversation today, this is the Situation Report. The first part of this is very important, and I think for many of us is also self-evident. There is, in the United States today, religious persecution taking place. We've seen this throughout what is called a pandemic, uh, using health and safety concerns to shut down churches and shut down Christian and religious gatherings. Uh, That has become, really, religious persecution. It was one thing 
in the beginning. It is something entirely different today. And Brad talks so well about these issues. It's really happening. The second part of this, though, and this is a part, again, we've got to get a hold of as Christian people. Churches and church leaders must lead the way on not only defending religious faith, but really standing up and speaking up for what we believe is true and so important. Uh, Pastors and those who are leading congregations have much more freedom to speak to these issues than we are told that we do. Uh, There are organizations and individuals who try to silence those within the church, but we have protection to stand up and speak, and we need to take advantage of that before even that goes away. And then finally, as Christians uh, outside of the church, but as individual Christians, we need to vote and we need to get involved. And then in addition to that, we need to train our kids to understand what it is to have a biblical worldview, to understand uh, what it is to be good, sti- good citizens, Christian citizens, and to be able to represent your views and speak up for what you believe in. So many other things we talked about today, but that is your situation report. Again, thank you for uh, this episode. Good to talk to everyone today. And thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.